This is a payoff pitch on Phantom Radio, and I'm Paul Valley. Where the Orioles stand right now with a little over two weeks to go in the spring training schedule before they head north to play New York on March 28th. They're 9-8-2 and two after losing to that New York Yankees ball club last night. 8-7. Uh, to seven. Michael Gibbons came in and got the loss, and his ERA climbed up to 30.38. He's allowed nine hits and nine runs in two and two-thirds innings, which is putting a little bit of a scare into the Orioles and their fans alike. But it's really not anything to worry about just yet. Like I said, there's two weeks left in the spring training schedule, and people are still really working on things right now. Mike Wright got to start in that ball game last night, and he went two and two-thirds innings pitched, giving up six hits and allowing two runs on an Aaron Judge two-run homer in the first inning. And Mike Wright's really making a case for himself. As many people well know, the Orioles only have three pitchers in that starting rotation right now. And at the beginning of spring training, it looked like Nate Carnes was signed to be that fourth starter, but after he had a little bit of shoulder and arm fatigue, he kind of took himself out of that starting pitcher conversation for the time being. He could still wind up back in that conversation later on in the year, but for now it looks like it's probably going to be Mike Wright being that number four starter and possibly David Hess, though, as a fifth starter, though they probably don't need a fifth starter for the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, Mike Wright this spring, two earned runs, which he gave up both of those runs in yesterday's ball game, in 12 and two-thirds innings pitch. That's the good news. He's got a 1.42 ERA, really making a name for himself. The bad news is that he has about a 1.42 whip also. As I said, he gave up six hits in two and two-thirds innings yesterday. And his big problem is he gets into the third inning, but he really can't get out of the third inning. Uh, and that start against the Pirates last week, he had 54 pitches thrown in three innings, which didn't allow him to enter the fourth inning. Last night, 69 pitches in two and two-thirds innings. That's not a good number. That's not getting length for your ball club, and it's really going to hurt your bullpen. If you can't consistently go out there, keep your pitch count on a minimum, and get guys out when you have two strikes. Case in point, I saw on a bat with, with, uh, with Giancarlo Stanton in last night's ball game, and he had him 2-2, had just blown a 95-mile-an-hour fastball by him, and then he comes at him with an 89-mile-an-hour changeup right down the middle of the plate that he laces into right field for a base hit. He's got to have the ability to get guys out with two strikes, to put a ball in the dirt and get somebody to chase, especially a guy like Giancarlo Stanton, who's known for striking out. You, that pitch can't be anywhere near the plate. Now, I know it's spring training, and he's not pitching like he would in the regular season, but that's one of those things where you have to show your managers and you have to show the fans who are going to be watching you that you have the ability to go out there and make the pitches when you need to make them and get guys out. Spring training and just like September call-ups are a big four in this game. And people can have a great September, they can have a great spring, and then they go out the next season and they don't do much for the ball club. So it's easy to look at Mike Wright's stat line just by the numbers and say, hey, he's pitching really well, but when you look closer, I still think he's more the pitcher that we've seen the pitch to a mid-five ERA last year. Um, and along those same lines, another guy that's kind of worrying me right now is Dylan Bundy. Bundy, as we all know, led the majors in home runs allowed last year, gave up 41 home runs last season, which is an astronomical number. Now, I think that a lot of that had to do with the ankle injury that he suffered running the bases in Atlanta. Through his first 16 starts, which included that start against Atlanta, in which he gave up two earned runs in six and two-thirds innings, Bundy had allowed 18 home runs and the pitch to a 3.75 ERA in those first 16 starts. Missed the next couple of starts because of that ankle injury, and then when he came back in, 15 starts the rest of the way, 
He allowed 23 home runs and pitched to a 7.61 ERA. Claimed he was healthy, but the proof is in the numbers. There's just no way that that guy was pitching comfortably, whether it was, you know, he didn't feel comfortable pushing off or didn't feel comfortable landing on that ankle. The injury to me took its toll, and you don't just jump four runs in ERA uh, if you're if you're feeling comfortable. Uh, so I expect him with a healthy offseason to come out and pitch better in spring training, and so far he hasn't. He's pitched with 13.5 ERA. He's allowed 15 hits in just six and two-thirds innings and three home runs, which, you know, with the Orioles with a rebuilding ball club and you're playing in a division that has the Yankees and has the Red Sox, and then you have a couple of young stars that are coming up with the Blue Jays and the Rays won 90 games last year. The Orioles have a young offense that isn't going to score a ton of runs, yet, so they're going to have to pitch better. And when you look at what... Dylan Bundy's done that rotation. He's supposed to be an anchor of the staff. And that staff last year, the lowest ERA was David Hess at 488. It doesn't really get you too enthused about what's coming up, especially since we already know they're coming off a 115 loss season last year. We're not expecting much better this year. So, again, it's still early in spring training that really you want to focus on the last two or three starts of the spring rather than the first two or three starts for a pitcher. If Bundy comes out in, in his next outing and he pitches better you know it might make us breathe a bit of a sigh of relief and honestly it doesn't really matter until you start pitching in anger once you know the regular season gets started but you want to see you'd rather see good numbers than bad numbers uh speaking of good numbers we also have a couple of rule five guys on their roster right now uh, Richie Martin, who they took with the first pick in the Rule 5 draft, he came out of the Oakland Athletics organization. He was a first-round pick in 2015 for them out of Florida, uh, which is a big baseball school and a big baseball conference at the SEC. And his first few years, he never really hit higher than, I think, 234. Uh, then he went out last year and he got his eyes checked, and they found out that he probably needed contacts. His eyes, his eyes weren't as good as, they had, as he had thought, and he ends up hitting 300 last year for, for Oakland, which allowed the, which is a main reason why the Orioles took him that, and he plays strong defensively, he's fast, and he's young. Uh, he's re- making a really good case for himself right now to be the Orioles' opening day shortstop, even ahead of Alcides Escobar, who I believe was signed to be the starting shortstop for the Orioles, even though it was a minor league deal. I think Martin has outplayed him and has earned the right to be that starter midway through spring training. Hitting 310 right now and playing solid defense. Made another dive and play in the hole last night to get a force out at second against the Yankees. Uh, his roommate and fellow Rule 5 pick Drew Jackson also having a standout spring. He's moved all over. He's been playing the infield. He's been playing the outfield. He's fast. Been stealing some bases. Hitting 379. He's got a cannon for an arm. Another guy who's probably going to stick on the team because the Orioles traded bonus slot money, international bonus slot money, to the Phillies to get him. So I don't think they want to just give away that money and give the player back uh, at the same time. So I think that you're probably going to see both those guys on the opening day roster. And Richie Martin's going to be the starting shortstop. Get ready for it because he's going to be going out there in New York on March 28th. Another guy having a big spring that people weren't talking about, and you'll hear us talk about this later when I bring Dylan Atkinson on the show from Utah Street Report, is Austin Hayes. Austin Hayes came through as the Orioles Minor League Player of the Year and was up for National Minor League Player of the Year in 2017, hit over 300, over 30 home runs, close to 100 RBIs. And a lot of fans and a lot of pundits out there thought that the Orioles were going to have him be on their opening day roster last year. But a shoulder injury slowed down the spring training. And then when he got into the minor leagues, got off to a slow start. And then he injured his ankle. And he ended up having to have offseason ankle surgery. Uh, cost him most of last year. 
So we weren't sure how Hayes was going to play coming into the spring. He wasn't even in the outfield conversation. Now he's hitting 355. He's leading the team in home runs and RBIs on the spring, playing great defense. And he looks faster than he did before the ankle injury. So that's a guy who, not in the outfield conversation, could be your starting right fielder on opening day. Another guy starting right now, today, probably as we speak actually, is Mark Trumbo. Missed a lot of last year with the knee injury, only played 90 games. Orioles signed him to that big contract. Another guy we're going to talk about with Dylan when he comes on in a little bit. He's DHing for the Orioles today, making his spring training debut. And the question with Trumbo is, what are you going to get from him? Is he going to play well enough for the Orioles to trade him for prospects uh, midseason? Is he going to get, provide protection for the rest of the lineup? Or are you going to get more of what you saw from him the last two years where he's in and out of the lineup, he's not really producing, not really getting on base. And, I mean, he hit 47 home runs in 2016 and hasn't even touched that number in the last two years since. So, you know, still a lot of roster questions there. I don't believe that Trumbo's going to be on the team if he can't play defense. If he can't play defense, I think he starts the year on the injured list, the newly named injured list. Uh, so that remains to be seen so far. And another hot start, Chan Sisko. This is another guy who's having a great spring, uh, tied for the team lead in home runs, second in RBIs. And after last year, it was important for Chan Sisko to get off to a hot start in spring training. The issue here is last year, Cisco had a great spring. He hit 429, and then he came into the regular season, hit 181, started out well defensively, but then only caught one of his last 18 stolen base attempts. Uh, was up and down from the minors, didn't really stick with the ball club because he wasn't producing. Uh, it's nice to see him hitting. Like I said earlier in the show, you'd rather have good results than bad results. But What's he going to do once they get under the lights to start the season? Is he going to be the player that we've seen in the last two springs, the guy who won a batting title in the Carolina League, or is he going to be that guy who hit 181 last year and looked lost at the plate most of the season? Um, you know, hopefully they'll get some production out of these guys. The Orioles have a lot of question marks, and my feeling about the team goes back to the way it was going into all those years when they lost 14 years in a row where it's like, if this goes right, if this goes right, if this goes right, if all, if the, all the balls bounce in the Orioles' favor, they could be competent. But so many things have to go right that it just doesn't seem feasible to think that the Orioles are going to be much of a contender this year. So, but if they have any chance of being, comp, uh, being competitive and not being the worst team in baseball this year, these young players have to produce. These old players have to get back to their norms, take a step forward rather than the regression we've seen the last couple of years. And that rotation and bullpen, which has a lot of holes in it also, they've got to pitch better. They, they've had plus five ERAs each of the last two years, one of the worst pitching staffs in all of baseball the last two seasons. There's a reason this team lost 115 ball games last year. And for me, as an Orioles journalist, as an analyst, and as a fan, I need to see these guys all take a step forward because we have to have a reason to watch. You have to have a reason to watch. If you're going to go into watching the season hoping, you know, not expecting to lose 100-plus games, you're probably going to be disappointed. And it's just one of those things where, you know, give Orioles fans a reason to be a little bit hopeful. You know, and don't, when you're going to watch, as fans, if you're going to watch the games, don't watch the games for results. Watch the games for how they're being played. Are the Orioles losing games or are they beating themselves? Are they playing fundamental ball games? And 
pay attention to how many one and two run ball games the Orioles are playing in because that's a big barometer for how well they're going to be and how much they're going to improve from year to year. All right, and now we're going to toss it over to Dylan Atkinson, a uh, fellow writer over at UtahStreetReport.com and uh, also a new intern over at Madison. Dylan, how are we doing today, man? Good. How about yourself, Paul? Doing all right, man. I'm glad to have you on the, on the uh, first show of the season with us today. Yeah, so, I appreciate uh, you having me. So today, you know, it's uh, Mark Trumbo's making his spring debut for the Orioles. Um, he's going to be a big part of the team's offense and need to have him hitting in the middle of the lineup and preferably hitting like he did in 2016. A uh, couple of notes about Mark Trumbo. Last year, he only played 90 games. He only hit 17 home runs. As an Oriole, he's a 249 hitter with a 305 on base percentage. Now, this is a guy who led the American League in home runs in 2016 with 47, drove in 108, and... So the Orioles rewarded him with a three-year, $37.5 million contract. For you math whizzes out there, that means he's making $12.5 million a year. Uh, so far, Dylan, he's not living up to that contract. Just after hitting 47 home runs in 2016, he's hit just 40 over the last two years. Uh, what's your opinion on Mark Trumbo, and where do you see him with the team this year? Uh, it, it, it looks like he's going to be the designated hitter for the, the majority of the season, or at least the first half. I, I, would, I would imagine that the Orioles would like to ship him off at some point during the season, especially with the upcoming of potentially Ryan Mountcastle, since they're working him out at first base now, possibly a designated hitter. Um, assuming that Chris Davis is going to be staying on the roster, I'm sure they'd like to ship him, ship Trumbo out at some point. So the idea to, to get him healthy, keep him healthy, and keep him in the middle of the lineup producing, I, I think they're definitely looking forward to have him back as the DH. I think so, too, and I think that he does offer somewhat of a bit of a of protection for Chris Davis in the lineup, and you brought up Chris Davis. Um, you know, he said that he worked in the offseason on his swing, his mechanics, making some adjustments to really improve on that historically bad year that he had last year. You know, and with Mark Trumbo in the middle of the lineup, he will be protected, and hopefully it'll help him put, him put up a little bit better numbers. But we know the big thing with Chris Davis is that $23 million a year contract, even with the deferred money. Do you think Chris Davis has a chance to stick with the team all year, or do you think because there's no ties with the new with new management as far as Michael Elias and Brendan Hyde are concerned, do you think that his, he has a short leash and the Orioles might be willing to cut ties with him since they're in a rebuild and they can have somebody who has a much lesser contract play instead of having to go sign a, uh, another player for more money? What do you think about that? I, uh, I do think there's a chance that Davis does stick around for, for the entire year with the team, but I'm not sure how uh, how great those chances are because, uh, like I said, if they're going to ship out Trumbo and if, let's just say, you know, the Orioles have a plethora of outfielders, young outfielders in the Myers are going to be looking up, they'll be looking for spots when they come up. Mancini could get switched back to first base or, or a designated hitter's role. So once Mount Castle's ready, if Davis isn't producing, he, he may get the cut. Um, so it, I, I know his, uh, his spring hasn't looked all that great so far with, uh, with all the strikeouts. He did speak a little bit after the game about how this was part of the plan for him not to swing right now, where he's just tracking pitches right now, where he's just tracking the ball. Uh, I haven't seen that strategy used too much in spring games by players, but apparently that's the strategy for him right now. And he says he'll be getting back to swinging in the, in, in the, next, in the next few weeks, a lot more aggressive. So I guess we'll see if that's actually going to happen or not. I'm not sure, but uh, that's his story right now, and he's sticking to it. It's hard to take the man at his word after he said all the work that he did 
last year with, with the hitting coach, and it came out that they barely worked. And now he's saying that he's tracking pitches in game situations. Well, isn't that what simulated games are for and what, you know, live BP is for during spring training before the games get started? To me, you should be working on getting your swing right, not looking pitches over. And every time he gets called out on a called third strike, it looks like he's disappointed with the call. So to me, if that's what you're up there trying to do, why are you disappointed when you get a called third strike? It's hard for me to take the man out of his word based on his past. Yeah, I, uh, I I totally agree with you there. It's uh, I mean, if that's his game plan, if that really is the game plan that he's been working on with the hitting coaches, then fine. It's something that I'm not used to seeing, of course, that during a, a game situation, so even if it is spring training. I do agree with you. That's more of what a simulated game is for. But uh, if it's something that will end up working in the end, I'm all for it. Uh, just uh, I'm not sure if I'm buying it right now. Yeah, well, you know, like you said, whatever works. So, yep. uh, you and I did roster predictions for Utah Street Report uh, a couple yep. of weeks ago. And we had very similar rosters, uh, a couple of differences. You had, um, I had Jimmy Yacobonis making the team as an eighth reliever, which means that the Orioles will only go with a three-man bench. You had a seven-man bullpen. All the other guys that we had in the bullpen were the same, same thing with the starting pitchers. Uh, you had Renato Nunez playing third base for the Orioles on opening day, and I have Rio Ruiz. Now, Rio Ruiz has had a better spring. He's hidden in the mid-300s right now. If he was, I believe it's 349, uh, playing good defensively. And then you look at N Nunez hitting 185 this spring. He went 0 for 4 with a couple of Ks again last night against the Yankees. And he's shown an inconsistent arm and some stone hands on defense. But you mentioned to me yesterday that Nunez is out of options, so it's either he's got to make the team or the Orioles have to risk losing him to waivers. Um, is that why you include him on the roster? Do you really believe that the Orioles like what they have in Nunez and he has a chance to stick as a third baseman on the, on the ball club? Well, originally with the, with the prior predictions, that was before games really started getting kicked off. So I, I wasn't so sure what the Orioles had in, in Ruiz just yet. So I was kind of just given the benefit of the doubt that Nunez was coming off a, a pretty decent first year with the Orioles so that he was going to have first dibs at third base. I still do think he's going to have first dibs at third base, mainly because of the decent last year and the fact that he is out of options. Um, we'll see how much they, uh, they, they put into stock the actual spring training numbers. I, I know some people lo love putting good stock into it. Some people don't. But uh, you are absolutely right. Ruiz is outplaying Nunez in every facet of the game right now. So it'll be interesting to, to see what they do. But as of right now, I have them with a short leash. All right. Um, and speaking of guys with no options, uh, we both omitted Gabrielle Inoa from the Orioles bullpen picture and the starting rotation picture. As we know, the Orioles only have three starters right now. Nate Carnes, they say, maybe a little bit behind the starters, so he might not open the year in the rotation, but rather the bullpen. Uh, we both were looking at David Hess. But tell me what you think a little bit about Gabriel Inoa, a little background on him. Uh, he came over to the Orioles from the Mets. Uh, pitched fairly well in nine games for the Orioles in 2017. Pitched to a 4-12 ERA. Had some decent starts down the stretch for them. Um, was injured last year, so he didn't really he didn't pitch at all for the ball club. Um, this year in spring training, he has pitched eight innings. He's only given up one run and four hits. The key for me is he hasn't walked a batter. Uh, so he has a .5 whip right now. 
This is a guy who is silently making a case to be on the opening day roster. And as I was saying, he's out of options. What's your take on Inoa right now and where he fits with the ball club? Um, you're absolutely right. Inoa has definitely impressed and I would say surprised everybody. I, I would say it, it, most Orioles fans didn't even know Inoa was even in camp this year before he actually started making starts. Um, but you're absolutely right. You know, he, he's only given up one run over eight innings with eight strikeouts nonetheless. And uh, so he's definitely looked good. Like you said, he's out of options, so that makes things tricky. I still don't know if I can fit him on the roster, unfortunately, because there's a, there's a lot of competition for arms out there. I know the Orioles, it looks like they're only going to be starting the year with four starters because they don't really need a fifth one for a couple weeks into the season. That could help him carve out a, a short-term bullpen role. But I think the uh, the club may be more eager to hold on to Pedro Araujo over the 17 days that he needs to, to stay on the roster to keep, to shed his Rule 5 status. So I think they may be looking to just see if uh, they can just test their luck and see if they can squeeze Enoa through, ra- through waivers. Sorry. Yeah, I, I if they can squeeze Enoa, I don't, I don't know how likely that is. Uh, I like your point about Araujo. He's a guy who has a strong arm. He had never pitched higher than single A until last year, and it showed when he made uh, his appearances at the major league level. But they like his arm. He's got a powerful arm, and he's somebody that they're going to hold on that roster for 17 days because it's worth keeping him, especially on a rebuilding ball club. 17 days is a fraction of the season. After that, you know, if he's pitching well, he stays. If he doesn't, they just send him down, and they don't have to risk losing him. So that's a good point you make regarding Araujo and Inoa. Uh, lastly, the, the last thing I want to talk to you about, Dylan, today is that crowded outfield that the Orioles have. Uh, when we came into spring training, we assumed that it was going to be DJ Stewart in right field, uh, Cedric Mullins in center, and Trey Mancini in left, and maybe either Joey Rickard or Eric Young Jr. Uh, playing that bench role as that fourth outfielder. Uh, Yosniel Diaz made a really strong uh, play for himself to get on that opening day roster, but he was one of the first. He was, I think he was in that second group of cuts. Uh, DJ Stewart, surprisingly enough, also gets it down too. You had him on your roster. I didn't. I just felt like he's, he hasn't made, really made a name for himself in camp like the other outfielders have. Uh, but one guy that neither one of us mentioned on our rosters that's really standing out is Austin Hayes. He had another two hits last night, a three-run bases-clearing double uh, against the Yankees in the second inning. And he also hit a home run last night, his fourth of the spring, which tied him for the team lead. Leads the team in RBIs with 11 over the spring, and he's hitting 355 while playing great defense out there in center field. And last night he started in right field, which to me lends to believe that he may have the inside track to the starting right fielder job, and neither one of us had him on our roster when we did our predictions a couple of weeks ago. What do you think about Austin Hayes? Do you think that he's coming north with the club, and do you think he has a chance to be a good player for the Orioles this year? I, uh, I, I think it's been great that uh, Hayes has been able to prove that he's healthy this year. I mean, uh, definitely last year his numbers were on the downtick, partly because he, he, he wasn't healthy. So to be able to prove that the ankle is 100% is big for him. Um, I don't think anyone expected Hayes to come out and, and just be on fire and, and light up the spring. I don't. I think it even surprised Hyde and Elias as well. I don't think they went to the spring expecting Hayes to be on the opening day roster, but the way he's playing, it's uh, it, it's tough to knock him off, it, especially with the Orioles already cutting uh, uh, DJ Stewart. I think Hayes is definitely on the inside track to start in right field on opening day, and I, I I'm thinking that Joey Rickard's probably going to be the, the fourth outfielder out there. 
I think that you're probably right about record. Um, I still think that 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 the that, that Eric Young has a decent chance, just because he's a veteran. He once led the National League in stolen bases, um, and I think they want that veteran leadership on on a young ball club. Uh, but that that remains to be seen. We still have just a little over two weeks left in spring training. I like what you said about Hayes. The fact that he wasn't really on anybody's radar. I mean, he missed most of last year because he had that ankle injury. But it doesn't look like that ankle injury is hindering him now. And I, I do believe, like you do, that he has that inside track to the right field job. So, Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think uh, Hayes may be on the roster for good. Um, one thing I am interested to see is if, uh, if the Orioles see if they can play a little time manipulation game with service time with him. I know he was only on the uh, on the major league roster for I think 20 days, something like that, back in 2017. So I am actually interested to see if, if they try to do any kind of service time manipulation like the uh, the Blue Jays have have planned on doing with, with Guerrero Jr. You know, I, I I like that you brought that up because I also think that um, the, I, I assumed that Hayes wouldn't make the roster because of the fact that they want to keep his service time. Um, they want him to be able to be under, under team control for as long as possible. Same thing with Diaz. Um, and I think that's the only reason Diaz got cut as early as he did. So I, I don't think it's too crazy to assume that by the time we hit July, maybe August, that you're going to see both Diaz and Hayes in the Orioles outfield uh, conversation. So, Dylan, been really great talking with you, man. Thanks for joining the show today. Hope to have you on again soon. And uh, good luck with your Masson internship, man. I'm really happy for you. Hey, thanks, Paul. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. And guys, you can catch uh, all of Dylan's content on utahstreetreport.com. As for me, that's going to do it for our first show here on the Payoff Pitch. Uh, as we were doing the show, it got announced that Alex Cobb is going to be the Orioles' opening day starter. So that's something to look forward to. He's going to be facing off against Masahiro Tanaka. And he really earned that start after pitching to a 2.59 ERA over his last 11 starts to end 2018. So we're really looking forward to doing the show next week. Had a lot of fun doing it this week. Next week, we should be able to see... Uh, bit more of a clearing up of the of the roster and the rotation. Hopefully we'll see some better results from the pitchers moving forward. Uh, again, I want to thank Dylan Atkinson for joining me today from Utah Street Report. Uh, really looking forward to talking to you guys again next week. Again, my name's Paul Valley, and this has been the Payoff Pitch for Fanimal Radio.